You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Type 1 Run Podcast, episode 26. I'm your host, as always, John Fogey. As promised, we have another episode this week. A very special guest by the name of Roman Ballet, who I catch up with shortly after he finishes a full Ironman. Yeah, like the full Ironman, not the half Ironman. Not that half Ironmans aren't also impressive, which he's also done for any type 1 diabetic, but he just finished the full. Like Pat, Roman is also on the Beyond Type 1, Beyond Type Run NYC team headed to New York City this weekend to run the New York City Marathon, stepping off on Sunday morning. And here I take the opportunity to not only get the background on Roman, his experience with running, his diagnosis, becoming a doctor, his work in immunology, but I catch up with him two months later and get a full recap as to how his training went, how his diabetes is doing. Being on the Beyond Type Run team has impacted his training and kind of what it's meant to him going into NYC. And once again, if you have any extra dollars or cents that you can throw towards Roman's fundraising, I know he would be greatly appreciative. All of the runners headed to New York City this weekend had a fundraising goal. And last time I last time I checked, Roman was so close to getting to his goal. And I know he'd be super appreciative for anyone who reached out at the very last minute and helped him reach that goal before he got to New York City this weekend. So once again, if you're interested in donating, I'll make sure to put the link to Roman's fundraising page in the show notes. And without further ado, here's my interview with Roman. What's up, man? Hey, John. Uh, nice to talk to you. Yeah, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where am I calling you today? I actually, so, so I was, I, w- I was looking at my notes, you know, before I called you and I'm like, I don't even know where you live. So I am in Palo Alto in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Okay. What do you do there? So I am a um, postdoc, uh, meaning I'm doing research um, in immunology. Um, and yeah, I arrived there three years ago and uh, at Stanford University. And basically, um, I am sort of a researcher um, trying to understand autoimmunity and uh, understanding a bit uh, how our immune system works. So what's funny is that you're the first person that's ever sent me your resume prior to one of these interviews. <laughs> and so uh, I've done so many now, but it if you could talk to me a little bit about your background, like I'm going to try and capture for everyone kind of your whole story and kind of, you know, roll up type one and roll up your athleticism. But aside from both of those things, in case I forget, talk to me a little bit about your experience outside of those two realms in terms of medicine. So on paper, at least, and I, I haven't seen a lot of like MDs on resumes, but you're technically already a doctor, right? I am. I am a doctor. Okay. So yeah, I got my PhD in 2015. So yeah, I'm a doctor in immunology. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question, and this is also very important when when it comes to my story, is that I was diagnosed in uh, 2003. And back then I was still at high school and still debating about what should I do with my, with my career and uh, what do I want to do in life. And I like teaching, I like medicine, and I also like research. And um, I have been highly influenced by the, my diagnosis. And this told me, well, Roman, now you know what you need to do, and you, you would do research uh, so that 
you understand biology, you understand uh, autoimmunity, uh, autoimmune disease like type 1 diabetes or others, and uh, maybe you would put, uh, you would be now implicated and contribute uh, to the piece of knowledge um, that would maybe end up having a cure for type 1 or other autoimmune diseases. Dude, you're like a superhero. <laughs> we're about to talk about some of your other accomplishments, and I, I think that's incredible. Uh, so one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show, because I really wanted to capture what it's like, and I think you've captured it pretty well online. And for anyone who hasn't read anything that you've written about, you know, your experience with, you know, triathlon and type one, the reason you're on it, the reason I was so excited to bring you on is because you just finished your first full Ironman. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> that was only like, what, like two weeks ago, a week and a half? It was, yeah, exactly. It was two weeks ago. It was in Santa Rosa. Um, I, I feel great. I mean, uh, it was likely the most exciting experience of my entire life, athletic life, at least. Um, and yeah, and I did that because, um, well, maybe coming back to my story, and so, sorry for, for uh, diverge a bit, and please stop me because I like to make <laughs> stories. It's fine. But in 2015, actually, I... I started triathlon actually maybe because um, I was a runner at the big. I was even a soccer player at the beginning when I was younger. And after my diagnosis, I was like, well, what if you start maybe going into more introspective sports like running? And I started to run. And um, when I was doing my PhD in Geneva, a friend and colleague of mine said, well, you know, I'm a biker. I know a swimmer. Why don't we do a relay team as, a, as three athletes? You know, let's make a team. And we make a team, and that's how I ended up making triathlon at the very beginning. And we are having so much fun. And I mean, you know, it's very different from doing triathlon for yourself. You do triathlon for a team, and you you fight, and you give the best you can for your teammates. And at some point, uh, we were having lots of fun, making lots of races around Geneva in Switzerland. And my cyclist uh, turned 40, and he said, you know what, Romain, let's do an Ironman." Ironman. And I looked at him, and I said, man, there is no way I can do an Ironman because I cannot swim 1.2 miles without assistance. And then I started to consider it. Uh, and uh, finally, we, we decided to go for it. And I started training and doing this just for myself to try to prove to myself, Romain, the type 1, that you could do Alpha Ironman with type 1 diabetes. And I did. And then, of course, many friends or family colleagues came to me and said, well, that's great what you did, Romain, but now what about the full distance? And here I stopped everyone and I said, well, people, you know, <laughs> Alpha Ironman is already like very challenging. So <laughs> full, I don't believe anyone can, any diabetic uh, uh, type 1 can do that. And, you know, that's three years now that I was thinking about it. And this idea was growing and growing in my mind. And at some point I said, you know what, this year in 2018, um, it will be like almost half your life that you have been living with type 1 diabetes. And let's, it's time for me to push my, my, my limits even beyond and start maybe also to advocate uh, for type 1, uh, the type 1 community. And I said, okay, not only I would do this Ironman, I would start training for an Ironman, but also I want people to know about it and I want people to know that we can do great stuff. And I started a fundraiser for that. I started to advocate. And um, this is how this entire story of Ironman uh, uh, started eight months ago. 
And uh, yeah, I was in touch with different nonprofits, um, trying to raise awareness and try to also have support from nonprofits. Uh, and in that case, it was Beyond Type 1, uh, GDRF, and the Children's Diabetes Foundation, which I had selected based on what they are doing and the, the, the work they are doing, thinking GDRF is also, they are all great for advocate, advocacy, education, and research. But I thought GDRF is also doing a great job for, you know, um, uh, um, doing research and, 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 and funding some great uh, and cool uh, research projects. Beyond Type 1 is also great for advocacy, education, and, you know, inspiring people with sharing stories. And the Children's Diabetes Foundation has also, you know, this Barbara Davis Center. And I thought it was great for kids and for people for education. So I thought it was a good combination of nonprofit to support. And, uh, yeah, I started a fundraiser, which is still on. And um, I, I had great support and I was very happy to see people were inspired by, by my stuff. I posted... Um, videos. I started a homepage um, called Sweet Type One Dreams. Maybe we can talk about it later. And yeah, that's that's how it went. So before we get too deep in this rabbit hole of advocacy, which I, I definitely want to hit on, um, maybe a little bit towards the middle to end. But if I could back you up, you mentioned you got diagnosed when you were thirteen. I where, was six, 16, 16. 16, Yeah. Okay. So where were you when you were sixteen? Uh, that's a good and question. And how did that so, change your life? Okay, so I, I was born in France. I'm in the continent, close to Marseille in the south. But um, when I was maybe 10, I moved to the Caribbean. Um, you have a few French islands in the Caribbean. And my father is originally from one of them. It's called Guadeloupe. So basically, I was in Guadeloupe uh, when I was diagnosed. Um, yeah, and, and actually, this also... Uh, as some kind of implication in, in the way I was diagnosed because, um, as you can imagine, I mean, two of the, the key symptoms for, for, for diabetes is polyuria and polydipsia, meaning drinking a lot and peeing a lot. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I started <clears> to have these symptoms. But when you live on an island where it's hot, you know, by default, you're like, well, it's no big deal if I drink <laughs> a bit more. Maybe it's just because yeah, it's yeah. hot, right? And I didn't see... Uh, myself getting worse and worse if you want so it was funny funny to to think about it and so you said you were a soccer player at the time i was a soccer player absolutely so um i was raised my father was a, a i mean a, a big fan of a french team and uh, he, he transmitted his passion to to me and my and my um, older brother and we just played soccer since we are very young and um and myself i played up to college and I had a lot of fun and I did, I had a lot of great also accomplishments playing soccer. Um, but maybe again, you know, maybe my diabetes, uh, influences me in saying, well, now maybe go more to more individual sports to kind of explore yourself better. Um, and also somehow right before my diagnosis, of course, I, as you can imagine, and as, uh, we can also, um, we could, uh, I could feel from the people you have interviewed in, in your show. Um, I was kind of tired and my player, my, my soccer um, was not good enough uh, and I was getting worse. And I was like, what's wrong with me right now? Why do not, don't I, can I, can I, why can't I run normally or why can't I just produce normal efforts, you know? Um, yeah. So what is it like being on a team? You mentioned you played in college. What is it like I, being on like a yeah. team while trying to balance type one? Because I feel like there's this pressure to stay on the field in certain scenarios where like you might need to come off. 
Like, did you have to like volunteer yourself to get substituted at certain points and things like that? <laughs> Actually, where where this question is very interesting is that also my my um, the way I have I'm dealing with my diabetes has evolved throughout the time. And when I was first diagnosed, I didn't really want to talk about it at the beginning, and. Uh, so I was not even I don't even know if my if my teammates knew about it and so I would and, and not to mention the treatment I had back then because you also had great uh, talks about MDI versus pump and I started with um, MDI and it was a mix from Novo Nordisk called Novomix 30 I don't know if you remember that or if anyone remember that sure it was somebody. a mix of 70 percent um, um, uh, long acting and 30 percent fast acting insulin. So it was hard for me to play with this insulin. I, I wanted to start my, my, my games with, let's say, high uh, sugar glucose so that I don't have to deal with it. How high? I didn't really... Uh, how high? Um, I don't know. I was around the 200, 250, uh, something like that. And mm. I was trying to, to, to stay high uh, the entire game, if you want. Uh, my, my, my way to manage diabetes has, has evolved a lot now, but that was my, my strategy. And uh, and likely kind of up to, let me think about it. Yeah, actually, you know, I stayed on this treatment for a long time. And up to college, I think I was still un- under this very, very old-fashioned treatment that was totally uh, not uh, updated anymore. You know, it was way too old for me. And in 2010, I made the switch from this uh, treatment to the pump. Um, yeah. And so you're on a pump now? Now I'm on a pump. Absolutely. So to answer your question, I don't know if I understood it well, but uh, I don't have to worry too much about it and not to, I was just trying to to start with glycemia that were high enough for me not to be too much concerned about uh, my diabetes management. And so you said that you used to just be a runner. Uh, not, no, maybe I, I said it wrong, but no, I was a soccer player, but let's say that just by playing soccer, I mean, the, 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 the core of soccer is just running, I guess. <laughs> yeah. so that, that's that's how that's why and how uh, maybe running is also my best leg when it deals with uh, triathlon. So prior to triathlon, you were never running like ten no, k's no, or half marathons. Not. Uh, never, never. I, I was just uh, a soccer player. Yeah. What is the first race that you ever ran? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think about it. Um, maybe it's a race that happens in Geneva. Um, that is called L'Escalade, and that happens uh, once a year uh, to celebrate uh, um, a very key event in, in, the, in the story of, of, of uh, Geneva. Uh, and uh, it's maybe like in the downtown Geneva, a very nice uh, race of maybe, let me see, miles, uh, I don't know, five miles or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that may be one of my first races. Um, and also I keep exploring. You have another race that is called Tour du Canton, literally, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I guess. Can, can, I mean, Switzerland is divided by cantons. It's the, the equivalent of states in the U.S. And uh, you have one Tour du Canton for the Geneva uh, Canton, and this is beautiful. You you run in in, in uh, vineyards or in great uh, uh, places, and this is how I went into running. And it was same. It was maybe in between, not much than six miles maximum. And it was like four stages of, of six miles each because it was kind of a, I don't know, like a, a race with yeah. four, four, four stages. Why is running so much cooler in Europe than it is in America? Like, I feel uh, like the culture around running is more supportive. Like, more people follow and enjoy running. 
I, I, I don't know because somehow I would almost disagree or maybe be, I, or at least my, my vision of, of running in America is my vision here in the Bay Area. And I feel that people are very into it, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't necessarily see a difference. Um, so I don't know to which extent I can comment on that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm biased too because I, I live in Boulder now and it like the Boulder Boulder um, – is a huge right. race that happens see, here. Now, yeah, and so guess, now I yeah. see it. Running is, is a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the triathlon triathlon here in Boulder is insane. Like, I just got done at the gym. I work out at uh, the Colorado Athletic Center. Yeah. And there's two pools. There's like tons of cycling, and so I feel like every single triathlete in the Boulder area works out there. You know what I mean? And it's like all right. Every yeah. single like. You go. You pull up to the gym, and every other bike is like a triathlon bike that's parked on the rack out front of the yeah. gym. And, this is uh, fantastic. So, yeah. so I'm biased, but I feel like if you, I like to follow ultra running, and I just see like ultra races over there, and the fans come from all areas of Europe to watch these. That's, you know, that's like, true, but maybe because one of the don't don't forget that one of the key because I like also trail running a lot and. Uh, and one of the key events every year is the UTMB uh, yes, in, I was in Chamonix. Say. And, and that may be why. I mean, this, this race become a myth and also because of Kylian Jornet, this Spanish guy. And all of a sudden, you know, trail running become, be, became a thing. Also, not just because of him, but in part also thanks to him. And I guess that may be why you have this, like, um, hype about, uh, you know, trail running in Europe and running in, in, in general. I guess yeah. this this has helped a lot. I guess Killian, Killian Jornet, and, yeah, yeah, Killian and others, and actually, yeah, I mean, I this is a guy I met because you know he was living in the Alps. Um, I was lucky enough that I have also been living in place where uh, people were very sporty on my island. People are very active, very sporty. Yeah. Then I did my PhD in Geneva, but I was living in the French, uh, just next to the border in France. So I was crossing the border every day to go to work and. Um, I mean, I was next to the Alps, so, you know, you can just trail run as often as you want. I was just living um, at the bottom of uh, of a hill, of a mountain, that I would just sometimes after work, I would just take my training, my ra- my uh, trail running shoes and go for, uh, I don't know, two hours uh, run. Yeah. yeah. What kind of, what kind of shoes do you wear, trail running? Uh, trail running, I am into Salomon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mostly because... <laughs> you I are a true my- Killian fan. I am a true Killian fan, but the thing is, I, I would I would tell you a secret. Um, I spent a lot of time. I mean, close to where I was living was a city that is wonderful. It's called Annecy. It has a beautiful lakes, uh, a lake. It's surrounded by mountains. It's outstanding, and actually, you have um, the Salomon uh, outlet there, and therefore I could get Salomon stuff for like insane price. So yeah. that's also why I became a Salomon fan, I guess. So my wife just got a, a pair of the Sense Rides. They're like the ultra shoe and she loves them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, have I, a, personally... I have a pet. I have a pair, but I mainly run and my hook is on the trail here. Not that I've been running much because I, I had knee surgery a while back, but <clears throat> so I've been getting slowly my mileage and my, you know, my walking to run progression back up. So, uh-huh. yeah, but, uh, but I, I like their product also just because of the design. And I guess then, it's just a matter of, it's not necessarily objective. Uh, I guess at some point we all like one particular shoes because either of the de- design or, or the comfort or the performance. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've got to ask this question because I don't even know where I would begin planning for managing a type one over the course of 200 
150, 180. What's the number I'm looking for total miles? You've got a 150-mile bike. You've got a 26.2s. It's like what? I'm terrible at math. Like 180 uh, miles, 170 miles. Uh, no, like so it's 112 of bike, 26 of um, of, of running. Um, way so off. that's about 140, <laughs> 140, yeah? It's way yeah. off. So, so how do you possibly go about managing type one over 112 miles plus a full marathon <laughs> plus swimming, you know, over two miles. It's insane. Like, yes, where, where, where do you was, approach it at? It was a long journey. Uh, I, I, I went, I think I, I tried to go step by step. Um, of course, I mean, my training has just increased, uh, as, uh, I get, I got closer to the race and it was just trying to, I learned like almost every day during these eight months of training because I never did. And I, I don't have a background. And that's how to say, as we said, okay, I was a soccer player. Then I went into running, but I had not, not at all a background of long distance races. So it was such a learning experience for me to learn how to deal with my diabetes, what choice to make. And it was, uh, I mean, a game where, you know, you try, you see what happens. And from there, uh, you, you try to correct. So, and this is actually something that I like also as a biologist. It's about experimenting, you know, let's try something with, we try, you see it works. It doesn't work. You repeat to make sure that what you saw was correct. And from there, you try to adapt and uh, little by little, I, I managed and I understood what was the, the choice I needed to make. Um, so now you're talking about the ride. For the ride, I noticed that um, maybe I, I needed like a basal, uh, temporary basal. And that's where also the pump is uh, great to me uh, as compared to uh, MDI, multiple injections. And I decided to go for 50% of my needs uh, during my rides. And if need be, uh, if I need, because of course you need to fuel your body with bars, gels. Um, if I see thanks to the CGM that my, my, my blood sugar is raising too much, I can take a few bottles to correct. Um, like one, two units, I don't know, for, for a gel, a bar, I don't know, stuff like that. This being said, uh, so this was during my training, but what was outstanding during my race is that I had almost no need for insulin. Maybe because, you know, you're like, you already swim like 2.4 miles and then I started my so during the swim first, I was disconnected from the pump. And also, this was not your question, but I'm talking about it. And please stop me if, uh, if need no. be. But <coughs> this for, is perfect because I was going to ask you to walk kind of step by step through the race. Yeah, and like, let, yeah that's, but that's I have to, to stop. And, I have to ask yeah. one quick question there. You said you were sure. disconnected for the entire two mile swim. Yeah, exa- I mean, I had no choice. I had to disconnect my pump. So, um, Again, I had simulated a lot in the swimming pool or in open water, mm-hmm. what was the best things to do. And uh, what I noticed is that in any case, and I don't know, and I would like to have like the feedback from other Ironman uh, triathletes with type 1, I noticed that at mid-race or at mid-swim, around 1.2 miles or in my, at my speed, maybe 40 minutes, th- 35 to 40 minutes of swimming, my blood sugar is dropping. And I need to do something. And what I decided to do is to take a gel. And when I was doing my simulation here at Stanford, I would always take a gel at mid mid uh, simulation, simulation, 
and this would correct my my blood sugar and to stay uh you know uh in around 100 up to the end if you want yeah. and i was right. so where about, where do you keep this gel while you're that's swimming that's a great question so <laughs> i have, i mean the good thing is we have a wetsuit so i would put them you know uh in my close to my arms so that i can take them easily i mean you know uh in, where you have your um um wrist you know you put it just right there and i had put a gel in both of my arms if you want what One kind of what kind of gel it was goo uh, but i mean i guess any yeah. gels would work i was just trying to find the, the gels and what flavor uh, what flavor <laughs> um, i love i love many of them and I, I decided to make a selection of my best um so it was maybe i have I, I think I took salted watermelon oh, the yeah. because it, it was a good one. Uh-huh. Um, you have also mandarin orange. That is not too bad. Okay. Um, I like also, I know that you like um, chocolate outrage. It's <laughs> also a good one. I, I took it. I and tend also, to lean towards like the chocolate and cream ones. So I tried to, to I tried to make a selection of, of like more sweety to like more salted ones. So that's why I had salted watermelon. I had salted caramel. I wanted a mix of something not, too 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 sugary in, yeah. in your in, in the tasting you know mm-hmm. um and uh but you know the great thing about my race i thought at the beginning i would have to just stop swimming after 1.2 miles and being in the water and take my gel but then i figure out that it was uh australian australian style swimming and then we could exit after the first loop and you know be on the ground before starting the second loop so this is where I decided to take my gel, and it went perfectly well. Oh, so you got and, out of uh, the water to take a gel. I'm, I'm visualizing yeah. you doggy paddling with one hand yeah, and a gel and the other. Thinking, and I was like, oh, la, la, this will be a mess. You are like with all these people. You need to stop, take your gel. Uh, but finally, it was so smooth, so, so perfect. So, yeah, I had to disconnect to my pump. You know, uh, and also what was not easy to deal with is I have tried to, um, um, how to say, um, to look at any parameters of this race in terms of food and everything. And I had, I knew what type of breakfast I wanted and the effect of this breakfast on my blood sugar. But what I didn't know is the effect of adrenaline that you only have at the race. And of course, I, I, I took my breakfast and adrenaline was there. So then I had kind of a spike. So I had to put a tiny bit more of insulin right before the start. And it was not a bad choice because at least I didn't really do the swim with no insulin at all. You know, I had a little residu- residual um, active insulin uh, there. And again, I, I, maybe you have, you have seen that, and if you haven't, I, I, I ask you to do so, and, and I want people maybe to do that on my page, but with my CGM, then I made a screenshot of how was my blood sugar during the entire race with all my choices in terms of basal, bolus, and all the food I took so that people can see what I did during my race. Yeah, and like completely you, transparent training. Total, exactly. Yeah. And at, you would see that when I take my gel at the, at the mid-swim, I'm crashing. And if I hadn't taken this gel, I would have finished with a low. And finally, I just finished right at around 100, 120. I don't remember. Perfect. And then when I was out of water, um, I, I, have take, I took a banana. I know that's your favorite. And, uh, and then I... I um, I, I put a tiny, I had to put a, a, a few little bolus of insulin because I saw that I was starting to go up. And uh, I put four times 0.5 units, maybe every 15 minutes, based on my CGM while I was riding. You know, I was just like rolling and looking at my CGM and I was saying, oh, it's going up, it's going up. 
And little bolus by little bolus, I managed to, to then go back on track. And from there, John, I swear, I had I, I didn't take any more insulin for the race. I did my entire race at 50% of my basal and I could eat whatever I wanted. And yeah. I was staying on track at around 100 to 120. It was absolutely amazing. I could believe that. Yeah. And, and again, just because I was kind of, you know, totally, um, I mean, my body was using all my, all my glycogens maybe was used at some point. So all what I was eating was used straight for, you know, uh, for fueling my muscles and uh, helping me to go uh, and, and to keep pushing if you want. So it was like if I was not diabetic for like almost eight hours of my race. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I can relate to that only because when I was marathon training, yeah, anything greater than like I'd say seven, eight miles, it, I would just I would just put my pump. Yeah, I was on the mini med at the time, so I would just put that pump at like – I think I've put mine as low as like 30 or 40% sometimes, like maybe mm -hmm. 25%. And that would, I could eat as many gels. I could drink all the Gatorade I wanted and I wasn't going to go high. But, um, yeah, I have to be honest with you. That's maybe a good choice because 50% during my run, what I, well, I, again, it went well, but during my run, during the marathon of this Ironman, um, you had maybe an edge station every, what, every 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes at my pace. And, uh, I had, I stopped literally at every single aid station first to, to put some water on top of my head because it was a hot day and to get some Coke, to get some bananas or to get some uh, piece of oranges. Uh, and I did that at every single aid station, meaning I, and it was also important, uh, also electrolytes, not to, to have cramps. And it was somehow a good choice because again my, my glycemia stay on track but this tells you to which extent i was using uh, all this sugar can you believe i mean coke has normally a very dramatic effect on on blood sugar and in that case you know it was a flat cgm um so yeah so i think i have a grasp as how you did the swim what about the bike? Because I've done, I, I did triathlon in college quite a bit. Um, I never did anything past the Olympic distance. So I think, I still think that's crazy, but I I can't really imagine like trying to be down in the tri bars while like worrying about your blood sugar and eating, you know what I mean? Cause I don't think most of my races were short enough. Even the Olympic distance is really short enough to where you might only need to eat once, you know what I mean? And I wasn't type one then, so I never had to worry about my blood sugar. Like, how do you balance worrying about, you know, taking in glucose, checking your glucose, and then, you know, performing? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the funny thing, and coming back to the, to the ride, you have to, to believe, I don't know, we are um, at, I don't know what speed we were, about eight, 18 to 20 miles uh, an hour, something like that. Yeah, that's moving. And, uh, and, and you're on your aero bars, and I'm, I'm checking my, my, my eye watch because I have the CGM on it. Um, and by the way, also, I had to ask authorization to keep my, my cell phone because you're not allowed normally. So I went to the refer to see the referee the day before, and I said, you know what, I'm type, type one, and I just... I don't. I won't use my cell phone for anything but to see my CGM on my iWatch. It would stay on my spy belt, and I don't look at it. And as as you said, I mean, it was kind of challenging to look at my uh, watch every now and then, and even just to put myself some bonuses. Uh, I, I told you I had to put myself four times 0.5 units, 
during the first two hours of the of the bike, and I didn't stop. It's, so I was literally biking, pushing as hard as I could, and and <laughs> playing with with the pump. In in the meanwhile, you know. Yeah. And, Where is your uh, pump and, at? You're, you keep your pump in your spy belt as well. Yeah. So in that case, since I I knew I may have to uh, take it out, I didn't want the pump to be in the spy belt. So it was just with a clip. Uh, it was just clipped to my uh, short, to my tri short. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It. it and, and then for food, um, as you may know, I mean triathlete triathletes like to put food everywhere they can on the bike. It was not exactly my choice, but at least I have a little bag um uh, i mean on my frame just next to my aero bars and i had put my 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 bars in it and even i had decided to cut them already into pieces because i was like maybe to correct you may need tiny pieces and not to eat an entire bar you know uh, so i have tried to be as organized as i could because this this is also something i do believe um i mean Yes, we can live very normally with type 1, but if you anticipate a bit and if you try to, you know, um, to just be fa- be smarter and faster than, than, than consequences like lows, you know, let's try to anticipate here and, and you will see that everything would go well. So that's kind of my motto, trying to anticipate uh, to prevent any type of scenario. <laughs> that's crazy, man. The transitions. Do you feel like, because some people, I have a couple of buddies who finished a triathlon and last month. It, their episode was like the Wildflower Triathlon special. It was a few episodes ago. But uh, so I asked them about the transitions and they, they kind of, they didn't have too many issues with it. But I want to know how your transitions went because a lot of people like, you know, practice exclusively to make their transitions efficient. Whereas us, we've got all this gear, you know what I mean? You've got all this food, which not only helps your performance, but will keep you alive. And then you've got an insulin pump and then you've got whatever's, you know, attached to your insulin pump and whatever's holding your food. And you have all, you know, you have the shoe changes, the sock changes, any other outfit changes, you know, you're trying to move your bib around so that your bib's still there or your chip. Like, talk to me about any stress or anxiety around the transition area. <laughs> I, so I think that would be like the hardest part for me. <laughs> it's it's a very stressful moment. Uh, you're absolutely right. And actually, um, again, I will give you all my secrets here. I I, I mean, the two transitions were were different first because you you realize that for the first one at T one, I am disconnected from my pump. So the number one thing I needed to do is connect. To your pump before taking your bike because if you live without your pump you have a problem right <laughs> so I, yeah. I had i had done something you know i i was like okay roman you're gonna race for more than 10 hours you don't care about the time you will lose for your diabetes in this transition area take your time and uh, try to be again organized and what i have decided to do i had make a list of things I needed to do, and I still have this list with me, and I can share it if need be. So it was like, okay, you you enter the transition first, um, take your pump, connect it, uh, clip it to your short, uh, check your blood sugar with the glucose meter for the time for the CGM to reconnect with the iPhone, because you know sometimes you have a, a bit of a lapse of, of you know of of a lost connection between the iPhone and the CGM, and uh, depending on your glycemia, I had. It was written, take or not a banana, depending on your glycemia. So 
I had it all calibrated this way, if you want. And the first transition was the most stressful. Then I was on the bike and 42, I was already with my pump and I knew that, um, you know, it was easier. Well, also on my list, I had put, put a glucose meter with you because let's imagine that CGM doesn't work. Uh, while you're riding, you need another way to check your glucose. Um, I had also some, some insulin pens with me. You know, I mean, a lot of things, tiny things you need to think about. And in 42, it was less stressful because, yeah, I, I knew my CGM was working well. Um, I had just to basically put my running shoes and maybe, again, uh, I, I have eaten an, another banana because I think it's a good way for me to, to get sugar. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I like the flavor of bananas maybe because, I mean, on my island, we, we, we cultivate a lot of them. Um, so, yeah, that's how I did for my two transition. But the first one was uh, the key. Uh, the key one and the most stressful one. So you've swam over two miles. You've biked 112 miles. You're probably like, oh man, you're like what? Four or five hours into the race. And I was, let's see. Uh, I finished in 1050, which means I don't know. Maybe eight hours also. Yeah. About eight hours. Yeah. So you finished in 1050. In 10 hours, 51 minutes. You know? Okay, so here you are. You're like eight hours into the race, and you have a whole marathon in front of you. This event that some people train years for. I'm in Boulder, and there's ath- there's like Olympic athletes that train year-round. They do these huge training blocks and tapers just for this distance, and here you are. You're eight hours into exercise, <laughs> And you have a whole marathon in front of you. So I would tell you like, a fun story. Like, like what's, your, what's your mindset going into that, you know? So, so first of all, what's very um, bizarre about my, my path towards triathlon and, and running is that when, let me come back to my half Ironman. I had, I had never run a half marathon before my half Ironman. So it was my first half marathon ever. And since then, I never really did any other half marathon. When I was training for this Ironman, um, I had some kind of, um, I knew how, how, how it was to swim 4K because I had done it for my training many times. I knew what it was to ride 112 miles because I had done at least one ride of 120 miles. So I knew what was the feeling. I had never, ever ran a marathon before. And my longest run uh, when I was prepping uh, was maybe 18, 19 miles. And I knew now it won't be that. It would be 26. And I knew about this entire story for the world that you eat after, you know, 22 miles-ish. I don't know. And I was like, wow, you will be out of your zone of comfort there and you have no clue what's going to happen. And particularly after the swim and the bike. Um, so it was really, really, um, to me, my fear, like, how am I going to do this marathon the first ever, and uh, and and actually, I decided to split it. It was three laps. I didn't want at any time to think about the mileage. I thought, you know what, that's three laps. And actually, um, what kept me busy um, is that, as, as as I told you, I decided to be an advocate for type one diabetes. So for the run, what I decided to do, I had prepared bandages with like messages on my band- bandages, so that I knew I would be. Some, some official photographer would take pics of me and I wanted people to know about my story. So I was like, 
on some of them it was written, my drug is insulin, what's yours? For instance, or type ones, <laughs> type ones, it's time to realize your dreams. Um, or, um, or also the, 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 the link to my Facebook page, you know, and I was just holding them in my hands or some of them were in my pockets and at every lapse I was trying to select my new messages that I would show to the photographer and, uh, and also to my friends. My friends, I had a bunch of friends and I want really to thank them for, for their huge cheering. Um, I knew where they were and uh, I was also prepping some, some, some messages for them. Thank you, my friends, for your support. And it kept me busy in a, in a, in a sense, in a way. Um, and also, again, I tried to, to, to divide this, this into three laps. And I was like, well, I'm now excited because I saw my friends. Now think about it that you, you're excited about the next time you would see them again. And that's how I managed to break up these 26 miles. And it went very well. And I kind of managed to, to keep a constant pace of about more or less eight minutes a mile. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. It was a great, uh, I, I didn't really feel bad. Maybe the last loop was a bit more complicated. I knew I would finish with my mind somehow, you know, you don't finish exactly with your legs, but it went well. You, I was so excited to be at the finish line and, and I was realizing, well, you're doing it. That's getting real. You know, you were telling people that you would do it, but now it's, it's about to become real. And, um, and I was so excited that I even finished and decided to cross the finish line. I even stopped, stopped, stopped running when I was getting close to the finish line. And I was holding my last message, um, uh, to, to, for people to, to support my, my, my move, which is called Sweet T1 Dreams. That's my page and that's my fundraising about. And I just walked crossing the finish line. And, you know, the guy at the microphone, I was so happy because then he saw that and he said, from France, Romain, ballet, um, racing with type 1 diabetes. You beat it, young man. You did it. You are an Iron Man. Yes, you are. And that, that was fantastic. And, you know, even I crossed the finish line and then you have this volunteer that comes to me um, and he says, well, my son is as type 1 and that's great what you're doing. And uh, I'm so, that's so inspiring. So, I mean, to me, it was the best reward I could get right after crossing the finish line. So I'm looking at the picture uh, that I think you're talking about. So, you know, it says help type one diabetes research. And then it says, yeah, you know, at Facebook at sweet T one dreams. And then behind the sign that you're holding, it looks like it's a Stanford triathlon Jersey. It is, is that where you, oh, yeah. is that where you went to school? Ex exactly. So that's where I am currently. I am a postdoc at Stanford. Okay. And, uh, and thanks for mentioning this, um, John, because I want to pay honor to, to my team and to my coaches and particularly to Gina Kerr. I mean, she, she was a former triathlete and uh, Ironman triathlete um, of one of the best. Uh, she was, I mean, ranking top five at Kona. And I mean, she's our coach and, and she helped me in, uh, in preparing this race. And it was great for me because I was surrounded by great athletes fantastic people and the best coaches I could imagine. And coming back to this Ironman project, I was like, you know what, Romain, you are at, in the best configuration of your life to do it. It's now. You have to do it now because you're living in a great place to train all year long. You have great coaches. You have great training. Um, and even though I'm very hardworking and very busy uh, doing my research, the the the... Um, 
the, the advantage of being a postdoc is that I'm very independent in the way I manage my research. And what I would do every day is I may train maybe from, I don't know, um, 7 a.m. up to, I don't know, 11 a.m. I don't know. It depends. I was training toward the end around 20, 22 hours a week. But after that, I was going to my laboratory to do my experiments. And sometimes I would finish at midnight. I don't know. And then the next day it starts again. But at <laughs> least I could just manage, manage my time as I wanted. Um, if need be, I would go on weekends to do experiments while, because I needed to do some workouts during the week or vice versa, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, coming back to my, to the initial point, thank you, Stanford Triathlon, because, um, I mean, it was also thanks to, to this, uh, support that I, I did it. I did it great. Absolutely. I'm going to read something. Um, and then I'm going to ask you a question about it and then we'll kind of okay. segue that into, um, okay. some of the advocacy stuff that we had kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but uh, you wrote in your write up about the race and in here. And I think this, I think this is on your at sweet type one dreams page, but you wrote during my entire training, I forced myself not to overthink how the race would go. I tried not to think about my goal time, nor to imagine myself crossing the finish line. I didn't want to be disappointed if something went wrong. Um, and then finally you say, my only goal was to finish for all type ones. And so that's kind of, that's, that's so broad and specific at the same time, you know what I mean? And that's, what's funny about our community is that there's so many of us, but we all kind of share so many of the same problems and issues. And, you know, we're so similar in most, in most instances when it comes to type one, but like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like you, you ran it for type ones all over the world, but like, what does that, what does that do for them? Whether they know it or not, you know, I, I would try to answer your question to my best. Um, First of all, and this is also something that I want to mention, during my race, at not at any time, I look at the time. I didn't want to know what was my time. And I was I, the only time I saw that I was below 11 hours, which is a good time, was at the finish line. I, this is the only time I saw my time. And it was maybe also a great experience because I was like, holy cheese, this is like less than 11 hours. Um, and... Uh, I wanted to do this race for type ones, meaning my point was, and again, I know you, you had like great athletes on the show and my point of view was slightly different. I was like, you know what? I just want to show type ones out there. You don't have to be the best at one sport. You don't have to have, um, let's say, you, whatever the challenge you, you want to achieve, whatever the goal you have, however, whatever, no matter how gifted or talented you are, you can achieve them if you prepare and, and, and believe in, in your dreams. And that's again where I come to sweet T1 dreams. So I wanted to be this uh, advocate uh, of type one, someone like any other type one. You know, I can be, you can be me, uh, anyone can be any other type one, could be Romain Ballet during this race. That's why I had no objectives regarding times. My only goal was let's do this, let's finish it, and let's advocate. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's what I did. How does, does it play? How does it play into the groups of, of support that you've, you've had going into the race? You know what I mean? Like, what do you think that means for beyond type one and the diabetic sports project and to JDRF to, to have someone out there like you who 
not only says, yeah, I support type one and I advocate for type one and, you know, not to bash anyone that just goes online and says, I support type one, but someone who's actually out there like racing full Ironmans, you know what I mean? And walking across the finish line with a support type one diabetes research sign, you know what I mean? Like to have that kind of laser focus for diabetes research for 11 hours, I think is insane. Um, and to me, that's just such a huge testament to being an advocate for type one is, you know, yeah, putting your body on the line. People could argue that maybe you did the Ironman for yourself, but to, you know, to counter that and to say like, oh, well, if you think I did it for myself, then, you know, watch me finish, you know, and not feel something there. Um, what do you think that means for these organizations that supported you throughout that process to see you finish? Um, and to see you do it for type ones. I I know that's kind of a vague question, but I'm hoping to like pull your emotional, you know, attachment to advocacy, um, and, you know, diabetes athleticism out of you. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I I guess it's maybe hard to believe that, yeah, it was not about me. It was not something, but it was, it was really, you know, um, well, let, let, let me, um, say that a bit differently at the beginning indeed it was kind of well let's prove to myself i can do this iron man and the more i was digging into and and talking to these non-profits and the more i was like you know romain there is something bigger to do here and don't make this your project but make this something bigger a bigger project that can touch any type ones and that's where i started the fundraiser and i got the support from from this organization and I realized also that I was not alone, and uh, that's where my work of advocacy uh, is important. I didn't know uh, about all these type ones already racing Ironmans. I'm not the only one. Uh, we are a bunch of of of, of people having doing having done such uh, a long distance races, a race. So, and I didn't know, and I wanted to know, and that's where I'm. That's that's my work now. I'm like I didn't know. I want you you to know. So I'm talking about it. I'm running with my messages because I want you to know now uh, we can do great things and don't stop yourself. Believe in yourself. And no matter how big is your your goal, it can be a 5K, it can be a 10K, it can be a sprint triathlon, it can be a walk, it can be a hike on a Sunday. Choose something and push yourself and believe in yourself and believe that you can accomplish big stuff and that type one would never be a stop for you. So that was, if you want, my motto. And and, and I would keep doing so. Um, I have projects coming uh, soon or so. We can talk about them. I don't know if this is something we'll do. But um, I would keep anyway fundraising for, um, for diabetes. Um, I have been recently selected by Beyond Type 1 to, to raise a... Uh, 2018 New York City Marathon. Yes, I as, saw that. I saw yeah, that as, you posted that. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. So I mean, they were they were they were. Uh, thank you. They were selected people. Uh, you had to to post um, a funny video. And actually, while I was doing this Ironman, I don't know if you saw that, and I can put it back on. Uh, I mean, it's it's on my page. I had done such a funny video of my training uh, with an app. You have this app where you can capture one second of your daily life. And then you put them all together and then you see how your training goes. Um, and it, I did that and I did kind of a fun video. 
And this is what I also used to, to, to apply for Beyond Type Run. And I was selected. So I'm very, very excited to now race for the first time uh, a marathon uh, in November. Yeah, that is, that, next. is that video online anywhere? I'd love to put that so in the I, show notes would, for can, everyone to watch. Okay, so what I can do is I can try to put it back at the top of my page um, like uh, in the next few hours or days so that people okay. can watch it. I have tried to put it on many pages uh, of many groups uh, uh, dealing with type 1. And I had good, um, I mean, good feedback about it. And many people said, well, that's awesome that this is so inspirational and uh this helps me yeah to, you put to it keep doing what i do is yeah. it is it the same video like a while back you put it in like the uh type one diabetic athletic group or something like uh, that? yeah exactly yeah exactly. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, okay yeah i will repost it and after the episode drops I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and i'll put a link for it in the show notes for anyone listening that they can kind of you know get to know you a little bit through the video you know from what they haven't learned here but uh incredible man what is your next race western states <laughs> so I, uh, I mean, I, I wish I could do that again. I'm. Well, I'm, hey, speaking uh, of Frenchman, um, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of a runner called uh, Francois Dehini. Oh yeah, Dehini. Of I know him. Yeah, I, he's going to be so, at Western States this year, and he's like, a, I feel like he's a favorite to win, even though I don't, I don't know if other people. I haven't like listened to podcasts about ultra running in a, a few months, but. Just because I've been so busy, but I imagine he's got to be one of the favorites to win. I mean, yeah, of there's... course, of course. I mean, he won the last UTMB. Uh, oh, handed, in front yeah, of handedly. Kylian Jornet. So, yeah. uh, uh, and, and you know, France. So it's Francois Daen. It's not Daen. It's Daen. Daen. Uh, Sorry. He, My, yes, uh... he's a great. He's a great guy. First of all, he's a great guy. Um, what I love about uh, his path is a winemaker. And, you know, while he still have his job and, you know, trying to work in his wineries, he's also this fantastic trail runner. Uh, yeah. And uh, trying to ask now your questions, uh, Western State is not my next goal, but <laughs> maybe at some point I, would, I want to maybe go back to uh, UTMB, uh, not to, to trail running, to maybe one day raise UTMB, but maybe another race that uh, is in my um, to-do list. But it will take a while because, you know, again, I, marathon is my longest distance now, so prepping for such races would take time. So maybe this is something I will accomplish in 10 years from now. I don't know. But there is this race also in, in a French island called La Diagonale des Fous. And this is on a French island called La Réunion, a fantastic island. And you cross the island. It's a, like a diagonal, you know. Literally, it's, like, like it's called the crazy uh, diagonal. That's literally the translation of the name in French. Um, in, from French from French to English. And uh, that's one of the races I am dreaming to do maybe one day. Wow. But not, not now, not now. Ma now I would focus on the New York City Marathon. This is on November 4th uh, and see how I do just for a marathon itself and not a marathon as part of an Ironman. And from there, I would see what would be my next step. But in any case, I want to keep advocating throughout my my races that's that's what i want to do now um and again I, I maybe i didn't comment enough on what you said previously but um you said well sometimes people would just start fundraising and say well uh, let's get money for research or something uh, but there is not no i mean i took an event that i did to do that and what i liked about i tried to do my best to advocate 
not only as a, as as an athlete, but again, if we come back to the beginning of our of our chat, as as a researcher, I know what research is. Uh, because I do uh, research on a daily basis, I know what it is to understand autoimmune diseases like type one diabetes, and uh, I try also to advocate here. And I'm I'm saying, you know, I try to do my best to inspire people um, running or racing, but also I want you to believe in in science and to believe in in your dreams, not only athletic dreams. It can be any sort of dreams you want to do. Uh, research, do it. You want to start a startup, just do it. Type 1 won't stop you. Um, and this is something that uh, I really want to to put uh, emphasis on. You're, you're an inspiration, man. And I, I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. And let me know how I can help and support you. And um, Being part the, of the show <laughs> is, is the greatest, greatest way uh, we could have imagined. And I really want to, to thank you, John, for, for, for doing so because you're doing a great job, and 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 uh, I mean, we we got in touch maybe what two three weeks ago, and yeah. since then I have listened to all the episodes, and <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I well, learned so much, and I had such a pleasure. Uh, you have this cross talk in between all these different people, some runners, some doctors. Um, I mean, that's fantastic. Please keep. Keep doing so. This is amazing. So if you've listened to the show before, you know that last section, I'll, I'll take us into Tempo Talk and I'll ask you some random questions and you can elaborate as much as you want on them. But uh, uh, I'll jump straight into it. Real sugar or artificial sweetener? Um, I would say both. It depends on what uh, we are talking about and in which context. Um, when it deals with like liquids, I would take like diet soda, so it will be more artificial sweetener yeah. for, uh, for 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 drinks, uh, unless it's to to correct a low. In that case, I would maybe go for Coke or for juices. I don't know something with sugar, mm-hmm. real sugar. Um, when it deals with food, um, I don't know if this is because I'm French, but I'm a food lover, and I may prefer. <laughs> Uh, having real sugar in dessert or you know when you bake something to me it's hard to replace the flavor of 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 uh, sugar with artificial sweetener so, so that, a bit of both yeah that perfectly takes me into my next question which is if you were not a type 1 go back to 15 year old you mm-hmm. what would you eat a huge portion of with no consequence um so um you know, I know you like Nutella, <laughs> and I have to say I'm a big fan of Nutella, even though I don't eat it here. But um, Nutella can be one. Uh, another thing could be not on the sweet side, but more on the salted sweet side. Is like you know we have some dishes that are Swiss or French based. They are called either fondue, you know, like this melted fondue with yeah. with with, with a piece of bread that you dip into into the cheese. This is great because um, I mean, well, well, I mean you, you may know about the consequence of lipids and this delays um, the absorption of, 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 of the, the carbs, if you want, of the, of the glucose. And it's like a bomb. Um, when, when, when I was on CGM in 2010 for the first time, I had decided to experiment again. And one of the first things I had decided to experiment on myself was the effect of a fondue, cheese fondue, on my glucose. And it was amazing because you would put some bodices and at the beginning, everything goes fine. It's so easy to manage. And yeah. maybe four or five hours after during the night, you spike like <laughs> crazy. So maybe yeah. I would go for a fondue 
to install your question. Yeah, the fat carb ratio, just yeah, same reason pizza yeah. gets most people. Exactly, um, exactly. That's the same phenomenon. If uh, if you had to recommend a piece of triathlon gear to a type one diabetic, what would it be? A piece of triathlon gear, uh, yeah, like would... something they can go out and buy to like help them okay. conquer okay. their you know their type one and their you know triathlon goals. So uh, the, the gear I'm going to talk about is more or less the same. There are two two type of gears I like, and it's about and one of which one of your um, I think maybe it was James Menfield I don't know but uh, Camelbacks um, mm-hmm. like again you know I, I like Salomon but it can be any brands. This kind of camel bag that fits you so well uh, that maybe you can also bring all your stuff uh, with you. Uh, but also now when we did with triathlon, it's not maybe the best choice because, you know, while, while riding your bike, you may not to have a camel bag, especially if it's hot. Mm-hmm. So maybe my number two um, answer will be the spy belt or any type of belt in which you can put your, your uh, cell phone to, to have your CGM. Um, and uh, and your pump and maybe one or two gels. I think this is uh, something that helped me a lot to carry um, cell phones and and, and uh, yeah. snacks. What is uh, something you wish everyone knew about Type One? Um, I would. I, I I love this 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 question, John. And to me, there are also two ways to answer it. I, I, there is what I would like type 1 to know about type 1, and there is what I would like non-type 1 to know about type 1, which is maybe not exactly the same, but maybe in any case, I may want everyone to know that um, we can have big dreams, and uh, and uh, and then we, will, we have to dream big, and we never dream too big. And the funny thing, and that's coming back to my sweet T1 dreams uh, uh, name, I think that no one would ever get high for dreaming too big. It's not like if you eat Nutella or banana, you know, you will never get <laughs> high for dreaming too big. You can't, so, uh, you can't overeat on dreams, huh? Yeah, and uh, and I would also tell people, again, now I'm talking more to type 1s and keeping on type 1s, I would tell people to to chase their dreams and to, again, as I told you, we are lucky somehow, you know, we can, we can swim, we can bike, we can run, coming back to triathlon, we can exercise. Diabetes type 1 makes us feel normal we, we i mean many times it came in your show and when people look at us um they don't see we are we are we are sick and sometimes this is what you want to tell to non, non, non-type one hey look i'm sick i mean i mean be be aware you know so um but that's 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 a gift we have okay we have an autoimmune disease but there are worse autoimmune disease think about i don't know my multiple sclerosis where you can be paralyzed or Rheumatoid arthritis, another autoimmune disease where, same, your joints uh, feel painful. We don't have any of that. We have the entire freedom to do whatever we want with some very rare exceptions. You know, I'm also like a scuba diver. You know, diabetes didn't stop me scuba diving. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah, being a pilot is one of these rare uh, examples you touched during <laughs> your show. Yeah. But, I mean, with this exception, I would say, I mean, go for it. Enjoy life and I have to tell you something. This is our secret, but I think I appreciate life even better after my type 1 diagnosis than before. Because I don't know, it opened my eyes and it, I mean, it's like, it was like a trigger. You know, now, Roman, stop just having dreams. Make them come true. Yeah. Uh, and uh, somehow, yeah, it was like uh, this, what I needed to, to start really 
pushing myself and start to, to say, well, you know what? Why not me? And again, I come back to this late motif. I am here to say, I'm not particularly gifted. I'm not particularly talented, but I'm just hardworking. And I know, I know what I want. And I know that if you fight hard enough, you can get whatever you want. So that's what I would say to, to type ones. And maybe now dealing with non-type ones, sorry, I'm making this uh, answer very long, <laughs> but maybe okay. I would like people to know more about what exactly type one diabetes is, the fact that this is an autoimmune disease or even just the role of insulin sometimes. And this also <laughs> happened to many of us. You would do a low and people would say, well, why don't you take insulin? No, no, that's not what we should do. We should avoid insulin right now and take uh, take something. So <laughs> I'd like to think, I mean, my point is this the biology is such an amazing thing to understand and understanding diabetes from a biological perspective is also good for anyone because when you think about it, blood sugar is one of these pa body parameters that is so well controlled, uh, just like temperature, uh, uh, blood pH, and uh, um, or blood sugar. We have a thermostat. Our body has evolved to, 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 uh, to manage this in a beautiful manner. And we all know how, it, how hard it is sometimes to stay in check uh, with the pump, with uh, MDI. We manage, but that's tough to replace the, the, the function of a, of a normal pancreas. So, yeah, I mean, this is, I would like people to know maybe more about uh, what exactly is diabetes. And again, that's my, my role of advocate now. That's incredible, man. You are a doctor, a scholar, an athlete, an Ironman, but more than anything, I feel like you're just an inspiration. So thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of sharing some of your secrets, which I guess aren't so much secrets since you've um, told everyone and you've posted it all over your, yeah. uh, your at uh, Sweet T1 Dreams. Where is the best place to follow you and your training and your advocacy um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where, where can people follow you? So I guess everyone can find me with the same, again, sweet T1 dreams, um, page, uh, on, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. And again, and thanks for mentioning this, John, my goal is to be transparent here and to share all I know. Um, again, I, I do research for the beauty of research and I do share with you guys what I learned just for the sake of and, and, and for everyone to, to improve their, their own diabetes management. So if you guys can find cool infos on my page, I'm just glad. And I would try again to focus on the athletic and the more, even just coming back to understanding diabetes, I would try also to put some posts to, for people to understand why, for instance, when I do such a high intensity training, I go high. I would try to also raise awareness about mechanic, biological mechanisms of uh, type one management incredible man well thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for hosting me john how about you good i'm good thanks so much for uh coming back on the phone with me and kind of catching up before going into new york right yeah it's coming in uh nine days now nine days when um uh when are you heading to new york uh, on Thursday, uh, I would just fly during the day. Arrived, uh, I would arrive in the evening, uh, so that I have like Friday and Saturday to, you know, catch up with the time difference, get used to the weather, 
my parents would also come. Uh, you know, they live in uh, maybe yeah. We talked about it. Uh, they live in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. Yeah. So they would come also, and that's great because you know they were not here for the Ironman, and I know they wanted to be here, uh, but it was kind of complicated. Uh, while here, it was easier. So I'm just glad they would be part of uh, this adventure. And um, what time is what time is your wave depart um, on race morning? So mine is the first one, nine fifty, um, which is Thursday. good in the sense that I won't have to uh, wait too long. Uh, so I guess yeah, you know they they make the wave based on the, your predicted predicted uh, you know arrival arrival time, and uh, I have no reference uh, because this would be my first marathon after the Ironman. Yeah. So I, I, I what do you think I, you're gonna run? Uh, you know, it's hard to say honestly. Um, uh, I I hope I would be faster than uh, during the Ironman, which was three uh, thirty. Um, I don't know. I would be some. Where in between three and three thirty, every single where, <laughs> where exactly I don't know. <laughs> what if you go sub three? Would you be amazed? I would be amazed. Uh, I yeah. I I don't I don't think so though because you know uh, New York City Marathon is a tough one. Uh, you have some climbs. The, the bridges are not that easy. Uh, it's not totally flat. So yeah. um, maybe not on my first, and maybe not on that one. Uh, what but, is I mean, that? What are your training runs looking like though? Like what paces are you kind of targeting in these runs? So that's the thing because, you know, uh, the two past months I have been training so hard in terms of, you know, miles Mm -hmm. that I felt very slow and it was a very weird feeling because I was like, man, I don't know what's going on. And actually I had the same feeling for the Ironman and I think it's just about the amount of training. You're so, you know, your body doesn't have time maybe to recover. And now I am in this taper weeks uh, since maybe last week because I had the beginning of an injury. So I said, okay, you need to slow down even from now. And I realized that I'm way faster. So I'm talking in maybe in, more in, in minutes per kilometer. Uh, so I'm a bit biased here, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how much that would be. But uh, anyways, I would try to reach uh, something like 310, 315 uh, and, yeah. and if I'm faster, it would be great. But uh, I think it would be already uh, fantastic if I'm around these times. Yeah, I'm trying to even think. I don't even know what a 3.15 average is out to. Uh, I can't. I'm so sorry for that. Yeah, I don't have the conversion, conversion chart. Uh, oh, no, I'll me. find it. I'm going to look it up now. Let's see. <laughs> Three hours. 15 minutes. Uh, let's see. Zero, zero. Pick event. The event is a marathon. Calculate I may have it pace. before you actually. Seven twenty six. Seven twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. So that's seven twenty six yeah. per mile for you training kilometers, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so it'd be four thirty seven per kilometer. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, I mean, yes. Lately, uh, when I'm, I, I feel that you know, I have been even running long runs or more than maybe I don't know fifteen miles uh, run below that. Uh, again, that's just training, and it was also interval training. You know, I was changing paces and stuff. So, I don't know if 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 you know if my if my if my sugars are good because this is also the key. If the weather is good, the sugars are good. I feel good. Um, yeah, I may be able to to do that. So that brings up a whole new question. Then, what is um, like your relationship now with diabetes? Now that you've been training just for a marathon, and 
Did you already have a Dexcom? You'll have to refresh my memory on that. I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. And it was very useful. And honestly, um, I may not even have envisioned to to go for an Ironman or a marathon without uh, having yeah. a CGM. Okay. And I think this is really like uh, so, such a, it makes such a difference. And uh, I, I don't know if we talked about it uh, on our first talk, but, you know, I'm so a maze of people that have been doing Ironmans uh, without CGM in the past. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Or, or, or marathon. That's, that's really yeah. impressive I'm amazed. to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed by people that even just are really into running without a CGM. <laughs> I think it would be, it would be tough. I, yeah. I did it like a few times before I got my CGM, like maybe for a month or two at the most. And so I don't have that, you know, experience that some of these people do with these, these long events. It's insane. I mean, you know what I like about it is also that I don't even have to to make any rule. You know, uh, before I would just without CGM, I would try to to start at a particular uh, you know uh, blood sugar, and then I would just eat something at sometimes, you know, even without knowing if I would be trending low or high. You know, I had no no clue. While here, I I don't care. You know, if I still have some insulin acting, uh, I may be taking more looks at my CGM and see. I'm, oh, now I'm starting to maybe trend low. Let's get a gel or something. You know, I I don't have a rule. You know, I would just go on runs. Every day is different, based on what you have eaten before, based on how many acting insulin you have. And uh, I like the fact that I can adapt to any situation because I just have to look at the curve. Yeah. You know? Uh, so talk to me quite a, uh, like quickly about like what's it like being on the beyond type run team it was uh, i mean it's i mean the, the best is yet to come but uh, yeah. it has been a great experience just because you know again it's already tough to make a marathon and the, the idea to be able to share uh, you know your your fears your doubts your your joy your whatever uh, with, with the group was was great um, and very helpful, you know, because you, you don't feel alone, you know, again, you know, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the sentence leaves no one behind for, for type one run. And that's exactly what it is to me being part of this team is, you know, uh, we are trying to support each other. And, uh, I think, and I hope everyone would, would do great, uh, next, next Sunday. Yeah. So you got like a lot of cool gear. What all has been kind of like a highlight for you in terms of like the gear experience because you already had a Dexcom. So I guess that's not that exciting. Um, but you got like shoes and like some other swag, right? What are you running in? Yeah. 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 That, that's great. I mean, we, we got socks, we got, uh, you know, shorts, uh, shirts, um, great, um, how do you, uh, flip flops, uh, that are even like labeled with, you know, the, uh, um, beyond type one, the fact that we're running, the New York yeah. City Marathon, lots of swags like that. Um, I mean, it, it was it was great. I mean, I'm wearing them, you know, very often. True that you know, Dexcom is also one of uh, of our partners, so we got the, the G six this way. Uh, and yeah, again, you know, now not having to prick your your finger to 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 calibrate the thing is is amazing. Yeah. You almost Wait, what were like you, what were you on yeah. before? So I was on J5, so at least yeah. I have to calibrate, uh, you know, twice a day. I mean, here it's really like if, okay, I mean, with the exception that you still have to worry about your disease and to take actions, but it feels like you're no longer type 1 somehow, you know, because you no. don't have to do this uh, blood sugar, you know, yeah. checks. I completely agree. Yeah, my only, my life now just consists of watching my Dexcom throughout the day and then giving myself shots whenever I need them. You know, I carry around an insulin pen. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I can't imagine even having to go back to the G5 either. I love the G6. I haven't manually yeah. checked my blood sugar in like three months. <laughs> I agree. To me, the G5 is already like, you know, almost, you know, uh, not cool enough. Anymore. No. Yeah, or uh, as accurate enough. I think the G6 has been so accurate for me. I don't, kind of like you said, I really don't feel burdened by type 1 ever, you know. The worst case scenario, I have to give myself two or three shots for one meal and that's not so bad, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what uh, So what's the race weekend going to look like? So you have all day on Saturday just to catch up with, you know, Mary and all the other runners, right? Yeah, so we will just uh, we'll meet for a, a brunch at 11, uh, you know, in South Manhattan. Uh, so that's great because it will be, I guess, the first time where we will all be together. Most of the team will be actually um, be housed in the same hotel. Uh, I won't because my parents are coming, so I would be very close by. Uh, yeah. And to me, it would maybe the first time where I would really meet everyone. This will be on Saturday. So, yeah, so I'm very excited about, you know, meeting finally all, all the team and, uh, yeah, having some maybe jokes before before the the game on the next day. Yeah, and so what do you think um, fueling is going to look like for the weekend? At least for the race specifically, like, do you... Do you have like your own fueling plan? Or are you going to like hit up aid stations and pick up stuff as you go? Um, I missed the beginning of your question. So my, my strategy for like... Uh... Yeah, like fueling. Yeah, what do you normally oh, yeah, do? Yeah. Like what's going to be the fueling strategy? Is it going to be affected by the weekend at all? Or I may have to still figure it out. Uh, I, I will leave... Uh, what I think I would do is, you know, um, I, I run with belts, uh, this uh, one Dex, Dexcom belt and a spy belt. I have one in which I put my my phone, uh, my cell phone to to have the Dex. I mean, to 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 be the the connection with the Dexcom. And on the second one, I would put some gels. Uh, I guess I would just put I don't know a few gels, three four gels, and then you know we'll be able to stop at eight stations. So uh, my my strategy would be, you know, that's a great race. It's very well organized. You don't have to worry too much about carrying too much sugar uh, just to start with or just in case. And even just if you like your own product, so uh, I'm used to to use uh, goo gels. So I would have a few with me, the one I made it during the race. And for the rest, I would just take water or maybe some type of sugar-like um, drinks they may have. Uh, if need be, that uh, I think I won't just overthink uh, yeah. this, but I, I will try to 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 be very um, out concerned and how to say very uh, um, very good at drinking water because I mean you, you you shouldn't wait until you you feel thirsty. You need to really take water uh, quite often. So you know during the Ironman, I would just literally stop and walk uh, at every aid <laughs> station. Yeah. Just to take the time to rehydrate, and I think it helped a lot because the time you you lose just stopping and walking to to really drink entirely your cup, then you can just uh, keep up and you can just even be even more efficient uh, yeah. in the end. So yeah. I may I may not I I'm not I'm not saying I'm, I'm gonna walk this time because <laughs> I may be fresher, so hopefully I may be able to not stop. Uh, but at, at least I would try to grab a few a few cups and and drink while running. What number are you going to start with on the morning of race day? Like what blood sugar number are you going to go into the day? With? Uh, are you going to hope? So the the thing is, I, I I mean we know it, we all know it. Uh, there is the number you want and the number you would get because of the adrenaline, and this none of us yeah. can predict. 
so I will. Th okay, so we'll have time enough maybe for to make even some correction. I, I hope I, I may be able to start without any uh, uh, acting insulin first, Ideally, and maybe yeah, sure. and maybe around. If I were around 150 to 200, it would be great. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, you know, I can, I'm not too high and I'm okay. I mean, around 150-ish would be fantastic. But we can talk about it afterwards, but I, I doubt it. I, I'm sure <laughs> I would just, you know, spike and... Uh, yeah, I'll be curious as to how it works out for you. I, I, it would be awesome to bring a couple of you guys back on, maybe in like a group setting and kind of have you all kind of talk about the overall experience. I think that would be incredible. Yeah, that would be great, and I am happy to be part of that. And uh, yeah. I think I will also try to, just like I did for the Ironman, to share maybe my Dexcom graphs and to explain maybe what I've done, more or less, uh, so that people can also have an idea of my management during the marathon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I man, I wish you good luck, and I, I think you're going to do incredible. And thanks for catching up on here. Now we kind of have the whole piece, you know. We've got your whole story and then your lead-in into – um into the race um any kind of last thoughts before going in into the race or i mean is it just at this point you're already tapering you're ready just to go and and run no it? i'm just ready to go i'm very i mean if the race could even be this weekend i would be just glad because <laughs> i'm overly excited uh yeah so yeah and let's just uh wait a bit more uh try to recover to have as much sleep and you know rest as 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 i can and then just enjoy because this is a unique experience again you know i feel very blessed to be part of this adventure and i want to take uh, to, to to enjoy it as much as i can in the end hey guys so that wraps up today's show if you haven't already make sure to subscribe it's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week if you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show Make sure to reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Type 1 Run Podcast or at type1run.org slash podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Train hard, train happy, and leave no one's behind.